For the third Sunday in a row, we hear a story about Easter Day, the day when Jesus was raised from the dead. The first two were from John's Gospel account, and they convey a very different kind of Easter than the one that Luke writes about today. You remember John's version, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. When she saw that the stone had been rolled away, she ran and found Peter and the other disciple who raced to the tomb and saw indeed that Jesus' body was missing. After the disciples had left, Mary bent down to look into the tomb. She saw a vision of angels who asked why she was weeping. When she turned around, she saw Jesus, but thought he was the gardener. And then, in a moment of deep personal connection, Jesus spoke Mary's name. And in that instant, the fullness of the Easter miracle was conveyed to her by the one who called her by name. That's the story we heard two weeks ago on Easter Day. Last Sunday, as we do every year on the second Sunday of Easter, we heard the second half of John's Easter story. We hear that later that same Easter day, despite what they had seen and heard, the disciples were hiding behind locked doors out of fear. They were afraid of what the religious authorities and the Roman authorities might do to them. But the risen Jesus was able to pass through those locked doors. Jesus came among them and said, peace be with you. Before any of the disciples was able to panic at the sight of what could have been mistaken for a ghost, Jesus announced his presence to them, offering them his peace. Before they said a word, he pointed out to them his hands and his side where the marks of the nails and the spears could be seen. That gospel lesson we heard last week then continues with what happened a week later, this time when Thomas was with the other disciples again. Jesus, able to walk through walls, comes among them, offers them his peace, and then shows them his hands and his side as proof to anyone who might doubt the totality of the resurrection miracle. As last week's gospel lesson ends, we hear Jesus saying to Thomas and to us, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This week, everything's the same and yet nothing is the same. Luke, in this gospel lesson, gives us the same basic story, that moment when Jesus appeared to his followers and made the truth of the resurrection full in their hearts. But unlike John, Luke seems determined to share that moment not as a deeply personal revelation or as a dramatic presentation of the evidence, but as a fleeting moment that vanishes as quickly as it is discovered and that could have been missed altogether had the disciples not been paying attention. In Luke's gospel account, the miracle of Easter takes time to unfold. 
As with the other three accounts, it is the women who came to the tomb and found it empty. But unlike the other accounts, Luke's Jesus doesn't reveal himself to those women. Instead, they encounter only angels, angels who explained that Jesus had been raised from the dead just as he had taught them before he was killed. After this, the women found the male disciples and told them what they had seen and heard, but the men dismissed their words as an idle tale. Peter ran to see it for himself, and although Luke tells us that Peter was amazed, Luke also makes it clear to us that the mere sight of the empty tomb wasn't enough for Peter or the other male disciples to believe After all, if Jesus really were alive, why didn't he come and find them? Why didn't he pass through walls? Why didn't he show them his hands and his side as proof that could put all their doubts to rest? That's because for Luke, the miracle of Easter doesn't reveal itself in a dramatic way. It doesn't speak your name. It's not confirmed by the proof. Instead, It takes a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus and a simple evening meal shared between new friends before the truth of Easter becomes clear. In Luke's telling of the Easter story, it almost feels like the writer is going out of his way to demonstrate all the vehicles of revelation that didn't get the point across. An empty tomb, a missing body, a vision of angels, the remembrance of Jesus' prediction, none of that made the truth real. When Jesus came alongside the disciples as they were walking down the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? Those disciples ask him, But Luke wants us to see that they are the ones who don't understand what has really happened. When Jesus called them fools and showed them how slow they had been to believe all that the prophets had declared, still they didn't believe. When he opened the scriptures to them, revealing how Moses and the prophets had shown how it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and die before he entered into his glory, Their hearts might have burned within them, but still they did not see who it was that was speaking to them. As they drew near to the village and invited the stranger strongly to stay with them that night, they still didn't know who it was they were inviting to be their guest. But when that guest sat down at the table with them, when he took a loaf of bread and said a familiar blessing, and broke it into pieces, and gave it to them, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. The Eucharistic image of that moment is as clear to us as it was to them. The two disciples got up and ran the seven miles back to Jerusalem to find the eleven and their companions and to tell them what had happened. When they did, they explained not only what had taken place on the road, but also how Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. 
that was a central part of their testimony, not simply that they had seen Jesus, but that the risen Jesus had been revealed to them, had been disclosed to them in the breaking of the bread. We know that Luke had in his mind the act of worship that has become central to the Christian tradition. But I wonder what Luke understood when he wrote about the breaking of that bread. What symbolic gesture would those two disciples have recognized when Jesus picked up a loaf and broke it for them? Fifty years later, when this story had become an integral part of the Easter narrative, so much so that Luke would record it for us, in what ways had the Eucharistic gesture become pregnant with meaning so that the early Christians could discern within it the manifestation of the resurrected Jesus? When we peer back through 2,000 years of tradition, and behold Jesus' actions at that dinner table, we cannot help but see him perform the prescribed fourfold Eucharistic action of taking, blessing, breaking, and giving that bread. But surely that isn't why those two disciples recognized him that night. In that moment, just three days after Jesus had first told his apostles to share the bread and cup in his name, they couldn't have recognized him in that liturgical gesture. And even 50 years later, decades after the Eucharistic meal of bread and wine had become a weekly staple for the Christian community, 50 years later when Luke was sharing this story as the moment when the Lord was revealed to his disciples, it wasn't a medieval understanding of Christ's presence in the consecrated elements of bread and wine that made him real to Jesus' followers. Instead, it must have been the very thing that first held the Christian community together that made him known. A simple, ordinary meal that had been made extraordinary because Jesus had once shared it with them. As Luke understood it, the risen Jesus came to his disciples not in a grand performance or in a ritualized celebration, but in something as plain and common as passing a basket of fresh hot rolls down the table. It wasn't by saying their name. It wasn't by appearing in dramatic fashion. It wasn't by offering the proof of his wounded hands or side. It wasn't by explaining the scriptures to them. For Cleopas and the other disciple, Jesus was made known to them in something that they would have done whether Jesus was sitting with them at the table or not. What transformed that ordinary act into an encounter with the risen Christ is the same thing that made the breaking of bread the central act of Christian worship. Because Jesus is present when simple things become sacred. In this time of physical distancing, when we are not able to come to church and break bread together, we must look for Jesus' presence where the disciples first found it not in a service of Holy Communion, but in a simple evening meal. 
I don't mean that breaking bread at the dinner table is the same thing as sharing the Eucharist, but I do mean that if we are waiting on our church doors to open before we start looking for the presence of Christ in our midst, then we will miss Jesus when he is sitting at the table with us. If this season teaches us to look for Jesus in ordinary moments that are made holy by his presence in them, then when we are able to come back together, we will have rediscovered the most important truth about the Eucharistic feast. Then all of this waiting and longing will not have been for nothing. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.